Matthew chapter 1 this morning, please. Matthew chapter 1. We've been lighting the Advent wreath every week, and uh, I'm noticing that we're having great difficulties keeping the candles of any length at all. So, Josh, your job today is if it gets close to the green, put it out. All right, Matthew chapter 1 this morning. Matthew chapter 1. Let's start reading in verse 18. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not willing, not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit, and she will bring forth a son. And you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. So all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. Then Joseph, being aroused from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took to him his wife and did not know her till she had brought forth her firstborn son. And he called his name Jesus. Let us pray. Father, we're so thankful for your word. We're thankful for the Christmas story. And I pray this morning as we look at this aspect of it, that you'll speak to us and teach us and encourage us, we pray. And we pray it in the name of our Savior. Amen. You know, every year we we look at the topics related to Christmas, and there's just so many things uh, about the Christmas story that you could talk about. I I remember a particular preacher uh, one time who was leaving his church and uh, moving to another church. He's kind of a friend of mine, and I ask him, uh, you know, why are you leaving so soon? And he says, well, you can only preach so many Christmas messages trying to move on. And I thought, how could you ever run out of things to say about Christmas? But apparently he did. There's just so many things. I mean, think about this. There's the amazing truth of the virgin birth. We read a little bit of that here this morning. There's all the announcements to the angels, or of the angels. Uh, the announcement to Zacharias and to Elizabeth and to the shepherds in the field. We could talk about any of those things uh, and, and get something good to say out about it. We could talk about the shepherds themselves or the wise men or Joseph. Joseph's talked about here in this passage. We don't talk about Joseph very much at Christmas time. Uh, I have a tradition in my home. I have several Christmas movies I like to watch every year. And one of them that just grows on me every year, it's, it's becoming one of my favorites, is called The Nativity Story. Anybody watch The Nativity Story? Uh, it's just a beautiful rendition of, of what took place. And it's not perfect. Theologically, it's not perfect. It, it falls prey to some things. It falls prey to the legend of the three wise men. And we don't know that there was three wise men. You know that, right? There's nothing in the Bible about three wise men. We know there was at least two. That's as far as we can go because the plural is used. There could have been a thousand wise men. I don't know how many there were. We just know more there's more than one. Uh, and we also know that they were not there at the manger. We know that they were there perhaps two years later, but they were not there at the manger. And this movie, of course, depicts them coming in there, they're right there, and so it messes up in those areas, but it's still beautiful. And it also really brings out the character of the people. Joseph, especially, is one that is really portrayed well in there. And I think he's kind of a forgotten figure at Christmas time. We've got to talk about him more. There's so many things we could talk about, so many aspects to the story. We could talk about the wicked old King Herod. We could spend a lot of time talking about Herod. And, you know, in our day and age, it's a reminder to us that evil, unbelieving leaders have existed throughout history. Herod was an example. 
We could talk about the interesting truth that there was no room at the inn. And my goodness, is that ever a timely truth? It's been timely in every generation. It's still timely in ours. We see, it, we see the sentiment repeated all around us. There seems to be room for everything at Christmas, doesn't there? Except Christ. No room at the end. All of those things would be worth reading about and meditating and thinking about and preaching about because they're all part of the real story of Christmas. You see, Christmas has nothing to do with trains going to the North Pole. Christmas has nothing to do with an elf with a white beard and a fat belly. Christmas has nothing to do with candy and ham and turkey. Christmas has nothing to do with trees and wreaths and tinsel. It has nothing to do with shopping or sales or layaways or credit cards. Christmas has nothing to do with lights. And Christmas has nothing to do with gifts. Unless, of course, you're talking about the one gift that is central to the whole thing. The gift that God gave. For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. And the government will be upon his shoulder and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. That gift we could talk about. That gift wasn't wrapped in pretty paper and tied up with a bow. That gift wasn't strategically placed under a tree or placed in a stocking hung next to the fire. That gift was wrapped in rough cloths and laid in straw. In a manger. We ought to concentrate on that gift, oughtn't we? Jesus is the reason for the season. We post that all over the place. Those of you who have Facebook accounts post it all over the place. We quote it to one another in church. He is the reason. But is he really the central part of our observance at Christmas time? He certainly ought to be. Our text this morning tells us some things about him. He was to be named Jesus, which means Jehovah saves because he would save his people from their sins. He would also be called Emmanuel, which means God with us. And I've always loved that name, Emmanuel. It's a beautiful word. Just the word itself, Emmanuel. It's melodic. It rolls off your tongue. Maybe that's why so many songs have been sung about Emmanuel. O come, O come, Emmanuel, and ransom captive Israel that mourns in lonely exile here until the Son of God appear. Rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel shall come to thee, O Israel. Chris Tomlin wrote a song, Emmanuel, Emmanuel, God incarnate here to dwell, Emmanuel, Emmanuel, praise his name, Emmanuel. And we sing it because it is such a beautiful word, but I think we also sing it because of the beauty of what it means. The meaning is awesome. There are very few words in the Bible that contain as much richness as that name, Emmanuel. God with us. You know, that's the entirety of the gospel right there. We could go to various verses of the Bible and we could say the entirety of the gospel summed up in that verse, but here we have one word, Emmanuel, God with us, and it gives us the entirety of the gospel. So every Christmas we say it. Every Christmas we sing it. Every Christmas we... Say what it means. Emmanuel, God with us. I wonder this morning, do you believe it? Do you believe it? After all, it seems hard to believe sometimes, doesn't it? I mean, if we just look around at the state of things in our world, does it really seem like God is with us? Or does it look more like he's left us and is no longer with us? I want to talk to you about that topic this morning. Emmanuel, 
Is God still with us? I mean, after all, it doesn't look like He's with us, does it? Every year at year end, Google produces a report of the most, uh, the most uh, searched for search patterns seen during the previous year. You know what the most searched for search pattern was in 2015? Uh, at least one, one source that I, I saw said that at the end of two th- uh, 2015, the thing most searched for was the terrorist attacks in Paris. 900 million people searched for that. Pretty good indication of where our world is right now, wouldn't you say? Just this past week, I had a church member approach me and ask me whether or not we lock our doors uh, before service in case a terrorist would try to get in. And it's not an uncommon question. It's coming more and more often. Terrorists are popping up in California and Pittsburgh, even in northeast Ohio. And if you're wondering, yes, we are thinking about those things. You know, we can hardly stand to read the news anymore. It seems so unbelievably bad every place we look. Bombings and shootings are so common in our world that we hardly notice them anymore. ISIS and other radical Muslim groups are increasingly beheading Christians and others who disagree with their evil beliefs. After years, decades of what we thought was progress, we find ourselves living in a world that is still just as mired in racism and hate as it's ever been, maybe, maybe sinking even further into that abyss. The freedoms that Americans have enjoyed for 200 years are in grave jeopardy. Our Bill of Rights is under assault by the very leaders who really were elected to defend it. As a matter of fact, it's pretty easy to look at our world and ask ourselves this question. Has humanity solved a single problem ever? Or are we just getting worse and worse? Is God with us? Is God with us? And if we're, if we're honest, we have to admit it looks suspicious, doesn't it? We read our text. They shall call His name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. And we rejoice that that truth was so wondrously fulfilled in that little baby. But then we look around our world and we wonder... Is He still with us? Because in light of world events, we have to admit it doesn't always seem so. But maybe you have a more personal reason for wondering about that. Because some might be saying, it doesn't feel like God is with me. I was reading from the book of Job in my devotions this past week. And of course you remember Job, right? He was the man who had been so blessed by God. Riches and honor and prestige. And he was blessed because of his faith and his integrity. He was a godly and influential witness for God. But then God allowed him to be tested. And he lost everything. Instantly. He lost his wife. He lost his children. He lost his health. He lost his wealth. He lost his prestige. He went from a mountaintop life to the deepest of valleys. From a life that others looked at with envy to one that they shook their head at and didn't want to look at at all. Job. Listen to some of the things Job said when he was in the midst of that grief and despair. He said in chapter 16, he said, my grief is not relieved. He said, my face is flushed from weeping. He said, my eyes pour out tears to God. In chapter 17, he said, my spirit is broken. My eye has also grown dim because of sorrow. Now, maybe maybe not everybody in the room can relate to that mindset, but I think some of you can. I can There are those among us who have suffered tremendous loss and pain. There are those among us who battle with health problems every day. There are those among us to whom the hospital feels like a second home. There are those among us who have 
have things in their life that bring them pain and distress on a daily basis. There are those among us who love others but don't get love back in return. There are those among us who struggle every day to pay bills, put food on their tables. There are those among us who would love to have children, but in spite of praying and praying and praying, they are childless. There are those among us who would love to have a husband or a wife to share the holiday with, and yet they remain alone. I think there's many who can relate to Job. Many who could say with complete truthfulness that my grief is not relieved. My face is flushed from weeping. My eyes pour out tears to God. My spirit is broken. My eye has also grown dim because of sorrow. And if you are in that number, you know what I'll bet? I'll bet that you read that wonderful name of the Savior, Emmanuel, God with us. And you wonder in your heart, really? Really? Is he with me? Of course, there's another reason we might question whether he's with us. After all, it's been a long time, hasn't it? It's been a long time. Maybe he's forgotten us. They shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. It's such a wonderful sentence, sentiment, but it was spoken an awfully long time ago. Jesus repeated the thought right before he went back to heaven. We read in Matthew chapter 28, And Jesus spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And, lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. He would be called Emmanuel. That was the announcement at his birth. And right before he went back to heaven, he reminded us, I am Emmanuel. I am with you. Always. I love that promise. Don't you? But think about it. He said that 2,000 years ago. That's 200 decades ago. That's 50 generations ago. That's 20 centuries ago. That's two millennia ago. Has he forgotten us? Is he still with us? Paul told the Philippians, the things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do, and the God of peace will be with you in Philippians chapter 4 and verse number 9. What a wondrous promise, the God of peace will be with us. And yet, is he? it was such a long time ago, we cannot help but wonder, has he forgotten us? And so here we have this wonderful text. They should call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us, and we preach it and we read it and we sing it every Christmas at this time. Emmanuel, God with us. But is he? Is he? Still, in spite of how things look in this seemingly messed up world, in spite of the pain and struggle you might be going through, in spite of the fact that 20 centuries have come and gone since that wonderful name was first uttered, is God still with us? Well, those of you who know me know the answer that I'm going to give. Yes, a thousand times yes. He is still with us. Emmanuel is just as real a name and just as wonderful a truth now as it ever was, as it was first spoken. He is with us, even if the world seems to be crazy. I mean, think about it. Our world today is no more messed up and no more sin-stained and no more perverse than the one Abraham and Lot lived in. And God was with them. Our world today is no more oppressive to believers than the one that Moses and the Hebrew slaves lived in in Egypt. And God did not leave them. Our world today is no more out of control than the world of the judges. God never left them. 
He was with them. And our world today is no more diseased, no more corrupt, no more than in the days when Rome ruled from horizon to horizon. Christians were thrown to lions and crucified on crosses and stuck on poles and lit on fire as streetlights to light the way for people going up and down the streets. Our world is no worse than it was then. And God never left His people then. It does not matter how the world looks. In spite of how the world looks, we know God has not left and He is still with us. As the psalmist said, on more than one occasion, the Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. He's with us even if the world seems crazy. And He's with you even when your pain seems to crowd out all hope. We talked about Job. And Job is such a good example, isn't he, of someone who is struggling in pain, a person who cried out to God in agony over the struggles of life. But you know what else Job is? Job is also the best example I think you're going to find in Scripture of someone who knew without a shadow of a doubt that God was still with him no matter how he felt and no matter what he was going through at that particular moment in his life. I read some verses from 16 and from 17, but we could jump to chapter 19 and we'd read this. He said, I know that my Redeemer lives, and he shall stand at last on the earth. And after my skin is destroyed, this I know, that in my flesh I shall see God, whom I shall see for myself, and my eyes shall behold and not another. How my heart yearns within me. In spite of his pain, in spite of his frustration, in spite of his need, Job knew God was with him. Job knew God had not forsaken him through it all. And my friend, no matter what you're going through, If you're a child of the king, doesn't matter how it feels, God hasn't left you. He is with you always and forever. You know, I learned a little bit, just a little bit, about what Job was going through when the Lord took Beth home. And I wrote a little bit about that in in a book that some of you have seen and read. In that book, there's a little chapter. It's entitled, I Hurt. And it describes the fact that I personally, I don't recall a time in my life when I have felt pain like I felt when the Lord called Beth home. It was a bad time. But there's also a chapter in that booklet entitled, I Believe. And I think it's my favorite chapter in the whole book because it chronicles how I rejoice to see that in spite of that pain, in spite of that hurt, I still believed and I still knew God was with me. I cannot explain that, but I can tell you absolutely it is true. I rejoiced in it then and I rejoice in it now. Dr. David Jeremiah said one of the reasons God allows trials is to strengthen our faith for the future. And Isaiah said, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Yeah, he's with you, regardless of what pain you might be feeling. And he is with us, even though the years and the decades and the centuries and the millennia have passed. God is still with us. The promise of that babe in the manger, it remains. And it grows stronger and more real every year, not weaker. Now is our salvation nearer than when we first believed, Paul said. Every day brings us closer to seeing the reality of Emmanuel with our own eyes. Closer, not farther. Oh, we need to rejoice this morning in the promise of Emmanuel, don't we? God with us. You can't hardly pick a spot in your Bible. You can't hardly look at a page of Holy Writ without finding that glorious truth that God is with us. He was with Joshua, Joshua chapter one, no man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life as I was with Moses. So I will be with you. Joshua chapter one, verse number nine. Have I not commanded you be strong and of good courage? Do not be afraid. Do not nor be dismayed for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. 
Joshua knew it. The psalmists knew it. Nevertheless, I am continually with you. Psalm 73, 23. The prophet Isaiah knew it. Take counsel together, but it will come to nothing. Speak the word, but it will not stand. For God is with us. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, nor shall the flame scorch you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I gave Egypt for your ransom, Ethiopia and Seba in your place. Since you were precious in my sight, you have been honored and I have loved you. Therefore, I will give men for you and people for your life. Fear not, for I am with you. I will bring your descendants from the east and gather you from the west. Jeremiah had the promise from God that he would be with him. He said, do not, be afraid, do not be afraid of their faces, for I am with you to deliver you, says the Lord. They will fight against you, but they shall not prevail against you, for I am with you, says the Lord, to deliver you. I am with you, says the Lord, to save you. Amos knew it. Seek good and not evil that you may live, so the Lord God of hosts will be with you. As you have spoken. Haggai knew it. Then Haggai, the Lord's messenger, spoke the Lord's message to the people saying, I am with you, says the Lord. The Apostle Paul knew it. Now the Lord spoke to Paul in the night by a vision. Do not be afraid, but speak and do not keep silent, for I am with you. And no one will attack you to hurt you, for I have many people in this city. And Jesus promised it over and over. He would be with us. The Holy Spirit would be with us too. He said in John chapter 14, I will pray the Father and He will give you another helper that He may abide with you. That He may be with you forever. The Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees Him nor knows Him, but you know Him. For He dwells with you and will be in you. And even though I read the verse to you once before, I want to read it one more time. I want to remind you that Jesus who when he came as a baby was called Emmanuel, which means God with us, and just before he ascended to heaven, reminded us of that truth. Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me and in heaven and earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Is God with us? Still? Absolutely. Those of you who pay attention to the Friendship Bible Church Facebook page or Twitter feed probably saw a post that I posted this past week from 2 Corinthians chapter 1. It said, God delivered us from so great a death and does deliver us and He will still deliver us. And that verse tells us that He not only did, He not only does, but He will indeed deliver us. And the same thing could be said about whether or not He's with us. He was. He is. And He will always be. Yes, God is with us. Will you praise Him with me? For that truth this morning. Let us thank him for the gift of Emmanuel. Let us worship the babe in that manger. Who grew to be the man on the cross of Calvary. Who came, who lived, who bled, who died. That we might live forever with him. He came to be with us. So that we might be with him forever. Hallelujah.